0: a little issue today that comes up a lot. Uh, we've got a lot of people asking for reparations for slave trade and there's people talking about issues in Israel, Palestine, what's going on in Russia. But, you know, we have to be real about these things and we have to address them not in the moment. I think a lot of people want to address these things in the moment. They say, well... You know, this is 400 years of, this is 300 years of, this is eight months of. And that's great. You know, we we need a timeline, don't we? But is there a realistic timeline? Is there a fair timeline? I don't see that that is the case in a lot of these things. I think it's selective. Timelines are selective. We turn around and say to ourselves, okay. You know we need we need to draw a line in the sand what's fair, what's just, and often it's very one sided. I often say, if you've picked a side, you've lost the argument. That's a fact. At the end of the day, you know picking sides and arguing for that side you you're not really trying to resolve any issues you've just determined in your own mind that there's an issue and that it needs resolving. And you're going to be the one to resolve it. You're going to be an advocate. You're going to fight this evil oppression or whatever it might be. But in reality, it, it, that's, that's, that's not reality. You know, that's not how life works. That's not how history works. There's a long pattern of history. Humanity as a whole is not just place it's not it's not something that's built into people uh, often I discuss with people the concept of justice everybody is very just when it comes to them when it comes to their wants their needs their goals but not so just when it comes to other people suddenly justice isn't an issue it's no longer a factor it's no longer a thing don't worry about it don't trouble about it don't even talk about it you know If you are fighting advocacy for one injustice, that's great. That's one-dimensional. And all other injustices go lost, forgotten about. You don't talk about them, don't think about them, don't reflect on them, don't fight for them, don't speak for them, don't post on them. And if you do, you might give 2% of your time because you've got one-dimensional advocacy. So in reality, we are not really as just as we like to think we are. You know that even even law is not just. Law has always been weighted towards leadership, the wealthy. Even um, the fact that if you had a poor person and a rich person growing up in court, chances are that the rich person would probably win the case because they have the money to spend on expert lawyers, expert witnesses, things like that, where you might not have the wealth to pay for the knowledge, to pay for the understanding of the law. You might even have to fight for yourself. So justice is not really something that can ever be meted out properly. So I don't really trouble about what people think my opinion justice is. You know, what's the reality? How do we how do we honestly draw the line in the sand? And then I'm talking about from the start, obviously, slavery, things like slavery. You know we talk about slavery but we draw a line in the sand 400 years ago African slavery transatlantic slave trade but from my research I would say that you can't draw that line you can't draw that line for many reasons and I'm going to show you how that works now I might backtrack I might might get a couple of figures wrong because I've got no papers in front of me I'm just trying to do this from my own memory and I'm going to be very loose with it I want you to go and do your own research You know if i give you if i I spoon feed you everything then one i could be lying to you and two what good's that to you you're not you're not really sparking igniting the inquisitive side of your own nature to bother going looking for yourself but anyway earliest civilizations that we know about on record come from places like egypt so when you look at egypt you have to go back to the original people because the the Arab side of Egypt is modern from the Muslim Arab conquests. So prior to ancient Egypt, most people have now concluded and recognized that ancient Egypt would be considered Nubian, black. So not Arab at all. So instantly we can see that Egypt is in the hands of sellers, people that are not from that land but for what purpose, what reason you know you had the migration south of the Egyptians during times of famine, things like that you had um, obviously the accounts of uh, the migration from the Middle East you've got the Muslim um, invasions and conquests so there's a lot of reasons that Egypt is no longer under Nubian hands, however when we're talking about historically slavery, the records of slavery in Egypt, building of the pyramids, the um biblical accounts it, we we forget, we don't take into consideration that that was a Nubian place. So we had Nubians enslaving other people so that's one principle and that's from you know, you talk about 2000, 3000 uh, BC before Common Era Um so that's one of the earliest accounts of slavery. Then you look forward and you say to yourself, the accounts of um, the biblical accounts or the movement, the migration of Abraham and the claim to the land of Israel. So you've got the Palestinian um, argument today. Now, if you look at the historical records, we go all the way back to um, around the turn of the centuries under Roman rule. Is under is Jewish majority, but it's under Roman rule. So you have to go back a little bit more. So then you're looking at the um, Jewish people because of Abraham moving to from Ur, which was Babylon, ancient Iraq, Iran. That he moved across to Israel, as we know it today, uh, that land, that region, and claims to have um, inherited that land from God. So whatever you believe, you know, that's that's a historical account in general. Now, when when they went there, when Israel went there, when uh, Canaan went there, when Moses didn't enter the land but went to the land, they took it from a people group, and that people group were the Canaanites along those lines. Again, I want you to do your own research because I'm not going to keep throwing names about everything, but Canaanites. Now, the Canaanites of that era would have been considered Nubian. Because the empire of uh, Chem or Ham was Nubian. It was Egyptian Nubian. And that went all the way up to Canaan. So, it are Canaan tribes of Egypt. So, the first thing you can see is, is that a Middle Eastern man conquered or took the land through his descendants from um, the Nubians in Canaan, Israel. You know that 's so you could draw the line there and say, well, therefore it 's Nubian land, but we've got to look deeper. you know the concept is is okay there 's an inheritance there or there's wars now we know there was wars there was wars when um, the northern Africans moved down to southern Africa, they had to conquer lands from Africans, other africans, so that 's not an issue that 's an issue if you 're taking color into consideration that a lot of these things are not colour-based particularly. It's just tribal-based, tribalism, that just happened to be of different colours. So you can see when Israel is recorded to have left Egypt, so Israel, you could consider the um, Middle Easterns, you know, in the sense of, um, as I said, Abraham from Ur, his descendants, in Nub- Numibian or Nubian Egypt, they were slaves, They left Egypt, went, returned back to that land of Canaan, the land called Israel, and settled in that land again. So you've got that movement. You've got the record of when the Romans took control of Israel. So it's under Roman rule, Roman occupation. And when um, Constantine converted to Christianity around the year 320, um, during his rule, he converted the whole of the Roman Empire to be Christian or or Roman Catholic or whatever you want to call it. You know, there is a divide there as well. So you can see already now you have a Christian majority in Israel, just like that overnight, around the year three, well, about 300 plus. Then you have the next change, which is after Muhammad, you have the conquests and the conversion In Israel, where the majority started to switch over to becoming Muslim, and that became part of the Ottoman Empire until fairly recently. Now, in that period of time, there was a alteration in the system. So, this is I'm I'm tangling this all up together so you can see a little bit better. So, there was an alteration, and that was when the British Empire defeated the Ottoman Empire. The Ottoman Empire was crumbling, and The mandate, the rule of the Palestinian land became British. Now, this this had happened around the time that the Christian Palestinians wanted freedom from the Ottoman Empire. So the Christian Palestinians wanted to be free of the Ottoman Empire. And that was about the same time as the Zionist movement and the return to Israel. There was already a north and a south of Israel so you had the northern part or southern Syria as considered by the Ottoman Empire and they, that was called Jewish Palestine. Then you had southern Palestine which were predominantly where you had the Christians who wanted the freedom from Ottoman rule and you had a mix with the Muslim Palestinians. So you had that going on at the same time with the British Empire and the, the alterations there. You had the pogroms going on in um, Europe and Russia. Pogroms, obviously, we were referring to the Russian persecution of the Jews. <clears throat> so you had that going on as well. Now, I'm going to take you back, take you back a little bit again. So, you about the year 700, when the Muslim conquests were going on, you had northern African Muslims. And around that time, you had Mensa Musa. Mensa Musa was considered the world's richest man, even to today. World's richest man in history. And one of the things that Mansa Musa—he was a um, a Moor or a um, North African Muslim—and he was a very wealthy man. One of the reasons he was wealthy as well, there was records of slavery, so he would have slave trade. So when the Moors were in Europe, bearing in mind from 700 during the conquests, they uh, the Muslim uh, Moors had control of about a third of Europe Portugal, Spain, up to um, Italy a lot of that was under the conquest of the Moors, control of the Moors that continued for 700 years with slavery European slaves going across to Northern Africa you know Mensa Musa's uh, wealth, a lot of it coming from slave trade etc etc and also the trade the trade of slaves, African slaves who weren't part of Mensa Musa's Empire that would have been s- traded as slaves. So you had that going on. Then you had the southern migration of the um, uh, As we know them today, we've got the Ashanti. The Ashanti is supposed to be the Ashant tribe that were part of the Jewish nation. Now, a lot of people don't realize that when the records of um, Noah, uh, sorry, of Moses leaving, egypt so the jewish people leaving egypt it mentions a mixed multitude and the mixed multitude left with them and basically had an opportunity or part of the process of becoming one nation so one nation under so forget the color side of things because this is we're talking about middle eastern people and people of mixed multitude now mixed multitude doesn't mean one nationality doesn't mean one color it's mixed now, they left with the descendants of Abraham. A lot of these are historical records as well. So when they left and they entered into Israel, you had one nation of mixed people. It was irrelevant. The color was irrelevant. We have this concept that Jewish people are European in the sense of they they came from uh, Russia, they came from North Europe, they have came from Eastern Europe. That's not necessarily true as part of it, but then we also have Afghanistani Israelis. We have Ethiopian Jews. You know, there's many people from around the world who claim that descendancy. But one of these is also the um, Ashant tribe, or Ashanti, children of the Ashant. That's what the meaning of Ashanti. Now, in Ghana, we have Jewish heritage Nobody knows where it came from, nobody understands it, but if we trace it back, then we'll see that this is an Ashant tribe inheritance because that Ashant tribe travelled down from Judea, which is um, southern Israel, and it conquered and conquest um, that part of Africa, Ghana, that region. So we can see these things happening, the movement, the migration, constantly happening, constant process But anyway, I'm referring to the concept of where do we draw the lines. So, if from about the 1400s, now this is where it gets interesting. Because the last of the Moors' control of Europe, um, Spain, Portugal, the last of the control of Europe, they were chased out of Europe around 1492. I say around, it's 1492 is on record, but 1492, I say around, okay? Now, what's interesting at this stage is the concept that the Europeans suddenly took it upon themselves, and I don't believe for a minute this was sudden, I think this is completely intertwined, but this is where history gets cloudy. So, suddenly the Europeans decide with Columbus that they're going to venture to the edge of the world where... You know, it's not actually flat earth. They're going to venture to the end of the world. You're going to have to join me for part two. Uh, We've run out of space. So please jump across to part two to finish up on this podcast. Hope you're enjoying it so far. Catch you in part two.